0: help my DTC grow, strategies and quick wins that build up 8-figure DTC brands. How to get loyal customers and grow your brand with an app. Neil Goyal is a DTC strategist for the largest brands on Shopify Plus. He works at TopCart to help brands create high-performing retention strategies and customer experiences that unlock massive value for both the brands and their customers. He aims to elevate their mobile experience and retention strategy. In today's episode, you will receive answers to the following questions. How to make your brand stand out with a mobile app? What customer segments will be the ones that will use an app? Why mobile experience is important and how it will increase retention? What do you need to do to make your mobile app successful? And of course, I'm here to help your DTC brand grow, so I ask all my favorite questions at the end books to read, mistakes to avoid, quick growth tips and tools to use. Now, let's get ready! Is it just a myth that uh, just loyal customers download an app of an e-commerce brand? Or what is the motive behind it? How do I get them to download an app for an e-commerce brand?
1: When you think about like who the brand is typically targeting to have download that app, it's not going to be every customer as awesome as that would be it's actually more focused on that top 10 to 30 percent of the most loyal base right who's going to take that extra step to go to the app store and download that app. It's that individual who's likely already shopped before or has likely interacted with the brand in a deeper way or has physically been in store for a brand that has a retail presence. It's typically a customer that wants to be immersed in the brand experience. So while there are plenty of strategies where a brand can leverage an app for the top of the funnel to acquire a brand new customer or to, Uh, introduce the customer to the brand. That's really typically not the focus. The focus of an app for a brand is just enhancing the customer experience and enhancing the retention power of having a customer that's already shopped, download that app, which is a little bit lower down the funnel.
0: Are there any behavioral statistics for downloading this app? Are there people who are just downloading for a discount and then deleting it and then again downloading it for a discount or some feature set? Or are there other people that's just the loyal customers using it or misusing it?
1: Yeah, so it really comes down to how the brand leverages the app. So a lot of what you just described there sounds like what is often utilized in an SMS strategy, give them a discount to opt into SMS, and then they opt out. And then with the hopes of they get that next opportunity to opt in for that second discount. So if you notice, that's a very transactional relationship. It's not really a customer experience built relationship. So when you think about the purpose of launching an app for a brand is not just for that transactional experience. It's meant to immerse the customer in the entire brand experience and there's so many reasons for that it could be content it could be exclusive community or a sense of community that the customer is looking for we have these brands on shopify plus that have built such an incredibly loyal following but believe it or not there's still a lack of community that is able to be built with those customers around that brand an, an app allows them to do that. So customers are finding that their, you know, community is a reason. Discounts is one of them. But then, you know, brands are leveraging in other ways, such as, you know, early releases to products and collections, or maybe designing the app experience that's targeting and designed uniquely for their VIP customers, where their website's trying to target anyone and everyone. So there's so many reasons to have an an, an app for a brand, but transactions is really not the focus of them, if transactions is the focus, you're probably going to see exactly what you described where customer downloads the app just for the sake of a discount not for the real purpose uh, for what is intended with an app.
0: Yeah, it is so easy to misuse an app like that. And what are the best ways to use it? You mentioned also community or early releases, loyalty program. What are they using this for? Your users, customers?
1: Yeah, so when you think of an app, this is not just a retention channel, right? So oftentimes, the conversation comes with retention. Oh, email, SMS, and push notifications with an app. It falls too frequently, I think, in that conversation. unique part of an app is that yeah sure it has the retention marketing power of a push notification but more importantly it is a separate and different unique brand experience to the customer itself it is actually a direct sales channel separate and apart from the website so this is the opportunity where the brand can say okay i understand who are the typical who is the typical customer i want to be downloading that app what experience do i want to give that customer because that website is is just marketing to anyone and everyone whereas with the app you can be totally you know, customize in designing that unique experience. Building a community is the first and foremost focus, right? Um, Giving something exclusive to the customer that they can't get anywhere else. So exclusivity or fear of missing out on an early product release or a collection of some kind is going to be a powerful tool in giving users the understanding of why they should be downloading that app in the first place.
0: Are there a size criteria for you to be a top card for anybody or... Do just be it from the start or just Shopify plus brands use it?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think historically size has come into the equation because when you think what it meant to launch a mobile app in the past, it meant hiring a, you know, a custom developer or an expensive agency to have to go build an app from the ground up. So typically it, that's when... You know, when an app is going to cost six figures, you're typically thinking like, hey, this has got to be a larger brand to launch an app. But that model is completely turned upside down. The the budget to launch an app is is next to nothing or much smaller, a fraction of what it used to cost. So now the question is, who is the ideal brand or what brand is in an ideal scenario to launch an app? It's less about sales, less about size, and it's more about what is the quality of their customer base. And so we like to say that if you have over 15% of your sales coming from repeat customers, that's going to be a great candidate for an app, right? In other words, you already have a built-in audience that's coming back to the brand a second time for whatever purpose that is. That is going to be the, the customer that's most likely to download the app. So making an app successful is not dependent on just having an app. It's about, are people going to actually download it? And those that have a repeat purchase rate or, or a repeat customer coming back to the tune of 15% of sales are going to end up having wild success when it comes to having an app as well.
0: So it is like a natural process for them. So you don't have to shove it down their throat to download this app and use it as much as you can, but it, it, it will be a natural stuff for them.
1: That's exactly right. A brand doesn't need everybody to download the app. In fact, a very tiny fraction of that customer audience can download that app and be successful with it. The goal is to say, hey, who is this app designed for? Some, some brands are targeting the top 30% of their audience, so they obviously want to cast a wider audience in that app community. At the same time, there's other brands that are far uh, focusing on a, a much more niche ICP with who they're targeting to download the app. So it really varies per brand, but the reality is a very tiny percentage need to download the app to unlock lock a lot of value because once they download the app now, they're gonna be visiting the brand three, four, five times more frequently than they were visiting the brand's website. That audience is gonna be more immersed in the brand experience. They're gonna convert at a higher conversion rate just by virtue of an app experience versus a web experience. And then they're gonna end up shopping more frequently with higher average order values because of the app experience that's delivered. So ultimately you're gonna see LTV or, or the customer lifetime value increase You know, anywhere between two to four X For that same customer audience that was previously shopping on their website, they download the app and they're going to be spending a whole lot more. So that's a benefit to the app, but the consumer is getting that same benefit too. They're getting that deeper brand experience that they've been seeking in the form of community and exclusivity uh, with that
0: brand. So you could harness this sales channel or marketing channel better, but also it gives you more work on the side of of a marketer or a sales Person at your brand, how could they handle it without so much effort? Does Tapcart gives them some ideas to execute or something like that?
1: When you think about launching any new sales channel, whether you ch- choose to, you know, launch on Amazon, whether you're launching your site, whether you're launching on on other channels that are out there, it's going to take an effort, no matter what. But the question is, how much of a lift will it take from that team to do, devote resources from one sales channel to a brand new one, for instance, an app. And so when we look at brands on Shopify Plus, even if they've had some wild success in building the brand and scaling it, you'll notice that that scale. Has been built on the backs of maybe four or five team members on that marketing team right these these are pretty lean teams right even at the enterprise level and so this is where when you think about launching an app the the historic thought of having to have a devoted employee that's focused exclusively on the app or having to allocate like massive resources and time to manage the app make changes to it keep it up to date and current all of those things were more of historical you know, scenarios. Now, when you think, let's say you join Tapcart, not only are we providing an amazing app, but we are also serving as an extension of your marketing team. We'll help you manage the app in real time. In fact, we often say that if a brand has to allocate more than 30 minutes a week to their app, then they're not leaning on Tapcard enough. They're not leaning on our team enough. So when it comes to strategy, we are structured in a way that we are incentivized to help the brand succeed. Why? We have no upfront cost. We have no large retainers. We're actually structured on a subscription model only. So technically, if the brand is not seeing the value from the app, they can cancel. Any time, right? So it's Tapcart's incentive to ensure sure that they're getting the strategy support that they need. And among that is also the resources that, ha- that they have to devote. So no, they don't need to hire another employee. They don't need to have a devoted team. In fact, we can serve as a team that helps them manage it as well.
0: As a marketing director, you just uh, bought me with that 30 minute a week, and I will get two or four times as, as much value from the 15 percentage of my best uh, customers but is it just a shiny thing that uh, i am as a marketer could uh, show up to the founder or founders could also get right into it
1: let's talk about the kind of d2c climate that we're in in the first place right so when you think about 2 3 years ago after you know the covid era hit d2c was off to the races right shopify brands were blowing up in a huge way it was growth at all costs Now, today, we are in a totally different climate. Margins are everything. So you mentioned, okay, is this a shiny object? If it was a shiny object, an app would not be an option because who's making the decision at these brands these days? It is not the chief marketing officer. It is not the e-commerce manager. It is the chief financial officer that's making today's decisions on any tech stack changes because margins are everything. Margins are survival. Margins are thinner than they ever have been on the DDC side. So the question is, How would an app appeal to the chief marketing officer? And so it's not just about that signing object, about the sales that could potentially be unlocked from an app. But the question is because at the end of the day, it's not growth at all costs anymore, right? It's not sales at all costs. So, what is the cost relative to that sales lift? And so that's where, when you're able to say, hey, we are going to have zero upfront cost, we're going to be able to launch the app as a channel with only 30 minutes a a week devoted from your team. It's going to be an extremely low cost channel to manage because we're doing that for you. And then, in the very first year, we're gonna raise your, boost your D to C sales by 21 and percent on average, like we've done, to do so with a small subscription cost. That's the value add to the chief financial officer. It's not just about top line revenue growth anymore, it's about margin growth, right? And so now brands are finding that, okay, Amazon's becoming tougher, margins are thin there. They have the scale, they have the acquisition and the reach from Amazon, but the margins are thinner. They're on their website, paid acquisition, The cost is higher than ever to drive that traffic to the website. So margins, you know, on that first sale, brands are just not making a profit on that very first sale. They're relying on that second, third, fourth purchase to drive that profit. So how can a chief financial officer drive uh, their ship to ensure that that revenue is being unlocked, but doing so in a prudent way from a financial perspective where it's low cost.
0: Maybe it's, it's much more easier than I thought. <laughs> so financial officer could be good with, uh, okay, we will get more margin. Let's install that app. Hmm. But how and what is the process of implementing this in an existing organization? So how do you start working with uh, with brands? What what are the main points that they should figure out before they work with you?
1: Yeah, I I think that's part of our entire uh, like my discovery process at the very beginning. Very rarely are we do we start the conversation just talking about an app, right? It's actually trying to get an, a holistic view of what's happening with the brand. Because in order to understand where there are certain challenges that we need to solve for, we need to understand like what's working and what's not working for the brand until now. So we have these brands that they themselves have had tremendous level of growth, maybe in the past few years, but things in 22 stalled a little bit with the changing environment. And so what are the current challenges that they're looking to solve for? Are margins really the issue? Are customer acquisition costs uh, a problem right now. Our customers coming back to make those repeat purchases. So over the course of that relationship, we end up forming a trusted advisor Relationship where we're learning a lot about these brands, right? And while TapCart specifically solves only, you know, portions of what they do uh, or portions of those challenges, more so on the customer experience and retention side, the reality is we're learning everything that's impacting those two particular parts. And so we really need to dissect the brand through multiple meetings, understanding, you know, what's happening, what's going on, what are we trying to solve for. Uh, leverage and enhance what's already working and then also find areas where we could solve what's potentially not.
0: Do you say no for customers? Like, uh, okay, it's not a good fit for you. Let's uh, get right back to it when you will do X,
1: Y, Z. Many times saying no to the customer could be the best thing that you do for them. And it could be the best thing that you do for the organization itself. So when you think about an ideal customer persona for an app, it's typically someone like I mentioned. to you before, typically a brand that has some sort of built-in base of repeat customers. So now if a brand were to come to us and say, we have no repeat customers, obviously there is a retention challenge there, but the fact that they haven't developed any other retention plays out there, such as email or experiments and others shows you that they're so early in the retention conversation. And while there may be a time for them to have an app at some point, that time may not be right now, right? So again, this helps both the brand and it also helps our organization the organization as well too, because we do want to have candidates that are ready to have an app, that are ready to allocate the resources. So for instance, I I, I met with a brand that was on Shopify Plus. This brand was doing over $5.5 million in quarterly sales, so almost $20 million north in revenue. And believe it or not, this brand was run by one human being. One human being is he was the ceo the cfo the cmo the ecom manager everything one individual was managing all of these parts and this is where i felt that i took a look at their email campaigns i took a look at some of i opted into their sms to see what it would look like and at the end of the day the type of retention effort that he was able to devote was so limited right because he was spread so thin this is where i took the opportunity to tell him you know what it's not right it's not the right time right now because. At the end of the day even though it's only 30 minutes a week you still have to devote the energy and brain power towards saying hey how can i enhance that experience for the customers and if they're not doing that already in some other capacity then they're not really programmed to put the customer first just yet and therefore there will be a time and a place for that
0: could you say some great examples for brands that install uh, installed this app and have great achievements with it?
1: Yeah. When it comes to like the types of brands we work with, it's also worth understanding like what side of the D2C spectrum does Tabcar typically serve? So the vast majority of the merchants on our platform are on Shopify Plus, right? I personally work with The brands that are the top 1,000 on Shopify Plus in terms of kind of that upper elite, but at the end of the day, when you think about Tapcard as a whole, we're serving Shopify Plus merchants across our ecosystem. And so, when you think of brands that have been successful with us, we're talking about Fashion Nova. Fashion Nova is kind of that extreme example. They're one of the they're the biggest brand on all of Shopify, but they leverage Tapcard. We have you know Chubby's. We have all kinds of brands that we know and love have leveraged tapcard in a huge way so we have close to you know 3000 bl- brands on our platform and by doing so we're able to you know not only launch apps and know what works and what doesn't but using this amazing birds eye view of a data set and taking all of what we've learned we're giving this same strategic advice on what's worked to new brands that join the platform, right? So other brands we're powering, for instance, Marshmallow, the world-famous DJ that we all know and love, we power his app. Or Leo Messi, we all love Leo Messi, we power his app, right? So when it, when it comes to this, not only do we work with creators in a big way and in the entertainment space in a big way, but we're also working with some of the fastest growing brands on Shopify Plus in order to kind of make their... Customer experience what they wanted to be.
0: Were there any features for Tapcart that uh, these big brands wanted to? and it was successful?
1: Yes. So when, when you say features, right, um, that, that can mean a lot of you know different things, right? On one hand, it, it could be specifically on the customer experience that they're trying to create with an app, right? And every brand is going to define that differently. And so the beauty of TapCard is you can essentially adapt and change that customer experience in a matter of minutes in real time, deploy those updates in real time. Uh, so that speaks to the customer experience side. But then there's also features, individual features that are brand one as a part of their app and so when you think about where Tapcart was at one point we were a no code app builder in other words we have you know these types of this list of features this type of functionality and what you see is what you get right so if you you had these integrations and we had the integration Then it worked, right? Or if you wanted this feature and we had that feature, it was there, right? But then there were, you see, sophisticated brands that want much more custom experiences. They want something unique. They're wanting something to truly that doesn't exist yet out there in the market. Well, guess what? Tapcard can do that too. So we are the only platform on the planet that serves e-commerce merchants exclusively and allows you to use the Tapcard platform to build 95% of that brand's app using no code elements. But then we also have a feature called custom blocks that was just deployed about six months ago that allows a merchant to go work with our SDK inside a developer experience to be able to Custom develop any feature on top of their app with Tapcart too, right? So now there's no longer a limitation of what's possible inside an app with a no traditional no-code uh, environment. There are limitations, but now a brand can say, "I want X, Y, Z experience." The good news is, historically, if they wanted that custom experience, they had to start from scratch with a custom developer. It's going to cost a six-figure north budget. Now, they can build most of their app with Tapcart and just custom code that one or two pieces that they want to integrate.
0: I know that it is a big power for a brand having a mobile app and having this place on a mobile phone as a real estate, as you you said before. How could I be the best friend of a customer and not the annoying neighbor?
1: That's a great point. I mean, when you think about the real estate that you mentioned, you know, when a brand has an app, they own the most valuable piece of real estate that they could ever own. And that's a piece of someone's home screen. And so by owning that piece of home screen, they're able to capitalize on like two types of biases that are taking place in the customer's mind, right? There's the conscious bias. In other words, the customer is actively thinking about the brand. They're actively thinking about shopping. They're actively thinking about the brand's content. And now by living on the home screen, they have the easiest possible way to access that brand experience Check out in a fraction of the time it traditionally would take, right? That's the obvious, kind of more obvious reason for having an app. The other less obvious, but much more powerful aspect is the subconscious bias in the customer. In other words, they're not thinking about the brand at that moment, they're not thinking about shopping or that content for the matter. But they are staring at their mobile device for six and a half hours every single day, swiping left and right across that brand's icon, subconsciously reminding them that that brand exists and that the brand should be front of mind. And that in and of itself drives many more clicks or sessions into the brand from that individual customer. So that's a power there, right? But then when you think about, hey, how do you become a customer's friend as opposed to that annoying neighbor? Um, Yes, a brand that is spamming their... Customers with push notifications is gonna see that customer uninstall that app, just like a brand who spams or is too transaction heavy with their SMS campaigns. They're gonna see their customer opt out or see their customer unsubscribe from that email campaign. Same mantra there. So the question is, how can you be as conversational as possible with your customer? And that's the power of the push notification. When you think of email, as much as you're able to segment it's tough to actually build a conversational relationship with that customer from an email inbox. And when you think of SMS, SMS is a challenge to build that conversational relationship because it's so expensive. In other words, because there's a cost for each send and the larger the audience is, you know, the average brand I talk to has an audience over 100,000 on their SMS list. Well, that that means they're probably spending tens of thousands of dollars on their monthly SMS You know campaigns as well, it's tough to be conversational. You have to see that ROI. But in the push notification front, it's unlimited and free, whether you have 100,000 users or a million users. And for that reason, that's where you can actually become much more conversational. How do you weave that messaging so that it's not that annoying neighbor that's knocking on your door to buy something, sell you something every day? But how can you be someone that's conversational? That helps the brand weave, weave the brand message, mission, and mantra into the daily life for the customer and the way the customer likes it. And every customer is different. And that's what push notifications, again, allows you to do, but it's important that brands use it that way, as opposed to that annoying neighbor.
0: Are there any feature in Tapcart that uh, customers could do user-generated content and send it to via Tapcart?
1: 100%. 100%. So user-generated content is a huge growth area for brands. I think we are seeing a little bit of a top in user-generated content as a whole, but user-generated content is never going away. And so, yes, do you have the ability to showcase that user-generated content or co- collect user-generated content from inside the app? Absolutely. I think that's a large part of what makes a unique community, right? Uh, Yachtpo has a fantastic integration for UGC. Shoppable Instagram or 460 is another great tool. We, we offer both those opportunities to be able to pull those experiences inside the app as well.
0: Wow. Great. And are there any more unique or unorthodox ways that your customers use this app?
1: Yeah, so when you think about, like, looking at the future of e-commerce, right, when the future of retail is Shopify, right? So you saw Shopify on the cover of the Wall Street Journal just a few weeks ago, and Harley was, you know, showcasing to us how the success of Shopify, the future of Shopify is going to come from that enterprise retail growth. Right? And by taking what, what Shopify did with traditional web development, what, what Shopify has, for instance, done to Magento, where Magento typically takes a huge heroic lift, a big team to manage that site. And now shown that the merchant can actually grow their marketing department, which is three or four members using Shopify. Shopify is gonna take that same model and apply it to the retail space, where typically it's a heroic lift to launch a retail location and to run a retail operation. And Shopify is paving the way to make that lift a whole lot easier so that brands on Shopify can now open doors on retail, whether pop-up shops, or, or physical retail stores in a much easier way. That is the future of Shopify itself. So when you think about brands that are gonna leverage their app, it's those that are gonna use the app as a digital bridge between all of their touch points that they have. So the brand is over here um, you know, marketing on social, marketing on YouTube, marketing on Instagram, TikTok. Brands over here has their physical retail presence. How do you bridge that gap? so that all, all of that brand's customer has some kind of bridge that connects that social experience to that physical retail experience, it can be the app, right? The app will serve as what I like to call a digital bridge between all the omni-channel efforts that are going to be present for many more brands on Shopify.
0: And as I know, also Meta and Google is uh, developing some stuff that they could uh, buy from Facebook app or Google own uh, structure directly from the from the stores, would it be a
1: threat to Tapcart or, or these big brands? That's a great question. So at the end of the day, w- when you think of Shopify, having other places tr- to transact is actually not a bad thing for Shopify, right? It's not a bad thing because at the more success a brand can have, the more longevity, the more scalability that they have as a brand and the more success they're gonna ultimately have on Shopify, regardless of where the transaction took place. right? But here's the challenge. Facebook announced several months ago that they are shrinking the amount of resources and pulling back on their e-commerce efforts, right? They made that announcement in a huge way. They still have the tools to allow you to be able to shop through directly through social, but Facebook uh, has, has has made it a point to say, you know what? We realize that like Amazon and Shopify pretty much own this turf. We wanted to be a part of this turf, but they've kind of taken a step back and say, hey, let's play as partners of both of them, as opposed to going and trying to be our own e-commerce solution. And I think that's when Facebook made that decision about six, seven months ago. While they still have the e-commerce tool set, they're not going to be devoting a whole lot of resources to it and rather add, add as accelerators to these existing platforms. So as a
0: summary, what is the benefit of using a mobile app for a brand?
1: At the end of the day, the customer comes before all else. Nothing is more important than the customer. The app is not just designed for retention. It's designed to give your customers the best possible experience that's possible. And so if you have that customer in mind, designing an app or an exclusive community where your most loyal and fierce base can have that sense of belonging, sense of a community around the brand, those are the brands that are going to be most successful with an app. And I think community is that theme of 2023, the brands that see that success are gonna be the ones that are able to build a successful community. And until now, I think brands have relied on social to build that community. But at the end of the day on social, we also understand Algorithms change, policies change, reach changes. So how does the brand take that, that audience and truly own them, take them from a rented platform that is those social networks and bring that customer into a platform where the brand truly owns that messaging, owns the ability to curate that experience. So it really comes down to ownership of that brand experience in full doing so in a a mechanism that can allow the brand to interact with that customer much more frequently than ever before but then also giving that customer something that they cannot get elsewhere something that's going to develop a deeper brand experience between the customer and the brand
0: and last but not least i want to give some seeds and nutrition for DTC brands so i will always ask uh, these four questions about DTC from my guests Uh, the first would be what books or influencers would you recommend to read or follow as a DTC brand?
1: There is an incredible LinkedIn community where customers and brands and merchants can really learn a lot from. So um, uh, one of my personal idols and someone I respect very much is Nick Sharma from Sharma Brands. He has given incredible advice. Uh, Ari Murray, Uh, has been an incredibly voice. She's also part of uh, Sharma Brands and has been a huge driver of success. We have uh, Ronak and Ash from Avi. Obvi is an incredible brand in the health and wellness space where they are not only building an incredible brand, but they're building their brand in public. And so when you think about building in public, that means sharing your successes, sharing your failures, showing, showing other brands like what has been working for them. And so if, if you were to follow those folks from Avi, they're doing so in public. They also have been very transparent with their entire experience. And as a result, a lot of people can learn a lot from them.
0: Second question would be, what is the biggest mistake that the DTC brands could make, the single biggest one mistake?
1: not placing the customer first. When you think about a brand, they're brands that are so focused on revenues, so focused on transactions and margins. And while that may have been something that worked in in the go-go days of DTC ultimately the brands that are going to have the the most longevity and scale are going to be the ones that have customer front and center in every single aspect of what they do so whether it's their the messaging to that customer what channels they use the experiences they deliver nothing comes more it it comes above product and the experience from that customer enjoying that product and then also the messaging and the mission and building that community like at the end of the day customer comes first and those that, you know, don't place that as an emphasis are going to experience the challenge that the customers are more scrutinizing than ever with the brands that they follow. And those that build that community are going to be the ones that come out on top.
0: Could you tell me your quick growth tip
1: related to DTC? At the end of the day, if you're scaling a brand, the focus is to find an appropriate balance between top of funnel paid acquisition and retention, right? So what good is a top of funnel strategy if there's no retention strategy in place? So when you're thinking about growing a brand, we already know that you know in that very first purchase that they acquired through, let's say paid social, they're likely not profitable in that first purchase. So the question is, how can the brand develop such a strong community, sense of community, with that customer how can they build a better brand experience around that customer to the point that that brand that customer comes back over and again and i think brands that do that well are combining a, a successful paid social strategy but weaving in All the different channels on the retention front, email, SMS, and push are going to be all critical. But then most importantly, how do you give them the best possible experience? Again, I I know I'm a little biased here, but a growth hack is having an app because we're going to lift those sales by 20% in just that very first year of launching an app simply by giving your customers a better experience. So It really comes down to the customer first brands that want to, uh, there are no tips, tricks, shortcuts to scaling a brand. It really comes down to saying, what does my customer uh, want? And then reverse engineering what we need to do in order to give them what they want.
0: And the last questions would be, what tools? would you use as a DTC brand to grow? What do you recommend? What kind of tools would you recommend for a DTC brand?
1: Yes, uh, of course, an app. But other than that, I would say um, the best tool is not necessarily a piece of software or a tool. The best tool you can leverage is your customer. So the question is, customer can provide us more than meets the eye. Customer can tell us what is working with the brand, what is not. Customer can give us insight into you know, what we need to change and adapt with our product. Customer can give us uh, insight into what they, what needs to be different in the experience. And I think what brands are failing to do in a, in, a, in a pretty large way is leveraging all of that information that they can gather from their customer to completely change. So as lean as many of these teams are, we're finding that brands are actually pretty slow to adapt largely because they're not using the most powerful tool that they have at their at, at their disposal and that is their customer their customer can provide them so much insight that the more that they lean into that data, the more that they can leverage it in the other channels their website Amazon their app wherever it is that's a secondary uh, secondary part of the the tool conversation it's all about tapping into that customer and really learning from them.
0: Neil, you were the first one who said that this tool is the customer so it, it was great talk with you. Lots of value. Thanks.
1: Thank you so much, Miklós. This was an amazing time. I had a great time with you. Keep doing what you're doing. And
0: don't forget to try these tips today. For more seeds and nutrition, stay tuned for the next episode.